0: We're starting a new series today, um, we're going to be talking about a love addict, and before you get any assumptions in your head, I want you just to forget what you may think the definition of a love addict is, okay, just throw it all out the window, because I want to redefine for you what you may believe a love addict is. And how it relates to our life. Um, are, you good to be, are you glad to be in church this morning? Yeah. Sounds like some of you guys are. It was an awesome time of worship, wasn't it? God just knows how to refresh you and excite you. Man, you are... Good-looking bunch of people. I'm going to spend more time on this side of the sanctuary because there are more people over here. Not because you guys are less pretty, but there's just more people over here. I figured out how to get more people to sit on this side of the sanctuary. It's not preach to them more. It's pave this area and put parking over here so everybody has to come in that door, and then they're just going to come over here and sit over here. Because everybody comes in this door, and now they sit on this side. I figure if we, uh, if we do that, maybe we get some more people over here. Or maybe some of you guys would be adventurous next week, and you'll move over there. <laughs> you'll get to see what this side of my face looks like. <laughs> Have you guys noticed that I've been looking at my phone? How many people actually noticed that I've been looking at my phone? Okay. How many people did not notice that? That's interesting. You know why, probably why you did not notice it, is because you're so used to seeing people do it, right? It's just a natural part of our society today. And then for some of you, you see me keep looking at my phone and go, boy, he's distracted. You know, when I was growing up, when I was a little tiny kid, they didn't have ADD, ADHD classification. You were just hyper. Hyper. They didn't give you medication for it. They gave you a spanking for it, yeah. <laughs> and I got enough of spankings when I was younger. I was, you ask my wife, I'm still ADHD. I am. The reason I have my phone up here is I, I've been <clears throat> I've been doing a little bit of uh, research on addiction and. What I have found is that um, addiction is not something that you really plan. You don't wake up in the morning and go, you know what, I think I'm gonna be addicted to drugs this time next month. You don't you don't wake up and say, you know what, today I think I'm just gonna start being an alcoholic. That's not how it works. You see, addiction is, was de- uh, designed by Satan himself because he knows that if he can draw your attention away from the one who created you, he's been successful. And so he, he, he allowed, he encouraged us. I don't want to say he allowed because he, he doesn't allow anything. God is the one that allows, but he encourages us to partake of things that might not be healthy for us you know cell phones specifically smartphones have not been around for a terribly long time when you think about it I remember I got my first cell phone not a smartphone my first cell phone it was the mid-90s it was a flip phone and it was about this thick I mean it was it was a brick is what it was uh, I didn't carry it around with me very often because it was so heavy. But I remember how convenient it was having that. But the only thing you could really do with it was make a phone call. That's all you could do with it. And then a few years later, um, I say a few years, probably about 10 years later, I got my first smartphone. So we're looking, we're looking at about 2005, which is, you know, what would that make, 13 years ago? Fourteen years ago, somewhere in there, got my first smartphone. Uh, they weren't completely new at that time, but what Apple did, they did with this, they did with smartphones the same thing that Microsoft did with computers. They made it so easy to use that anybody could do it, and because of that, we have. Okay, I'm going to take a survey. How many people in here do not have a smart phone? Raise your hand high. Okay, so we got four, about four, five of us. Okay, well, us, five of you. I have one. So all of you know how they work. All of you know how easy they are. Did you know that statistics, and, and this is just in the last 13 years, because before 13 years ago, the masses did not have smartphones. Did you know that in the last 13 years, they've already um, discovered that more people are addicted to their phone than anything else? Because we can't put it down. You go, you go to a, um, a place of work. Well, you have a computer, you have your keyboard right here, and you have your screen right here, and you have your cell phone right here. And, and I'm not talking about face down, I'm talking about face up. And most of the time, we're like this. The, pos- the boss comes by, boss goes away. Some of you, specifically the younger generation, um, can't go anywhere without your cell phone. I'm proud to say my wife leaves her cell phone at home all the time. I don't. And it's not necessarily because I'm addicted to my phone. Uh, as much as it is if she leaves her phone at home and we go somewhere and a car breaks down, I don't want to have to yell out the window for somebody to help me. I yell in my phone. Teenagers, when I was, when I was when we for, not long after we got married, we were taking a, there was a, a girl and a guy that were kind of interested in each other, and we were taking them home. I mean, they're sitting this far apart from each other. This was back when flip phones, they didn't have smartphones back then. This is when they had flip phones. They were sitting right next to each other, texting each other. Please, open your mouth. Say something. What, are you saying something I don't, you don't want your youth pastor to hear? No. So why are you talking? I don't know. Can't tell you how many times I've heard that. I don't know. There's this thing in our brains. A chemical uh, messenger, as it were. Dopamine. How many people have ever heard of dopamine? More people than I thought, surprisingly. It's one of the key... Uh, ingredients of addiction because one, one of its main purposes is to give a sense of pleasure and research has shown that when a notification pops up on your cell phone or Facebook, Instagram or Pinterest or whatever when a notification pops up It triggers something in your mind. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But keep it up. And addiction sets in. If you can't go a full day without your phone, you need to ask yourself, am I controlling my phone or is my phone controlling me? There are a lot of addictions that people have. And we don't don't think a phone really as much of an addiction. When you think about addiction, you think, well, they do drugs and they can't break the habit. That's an addiction. Well, he's an alcoholic. That's an addiction. Well, fill in the blank. We We all can name addictions... But what really is an addiction? How do you classify an addiction? What does it say in the dictionary an addiction is? Here's, I've, I've boiled it down to this an addiction is anything that causes you to make a decision without thinking of God first. Now, society, they'll leave God out of it. They'll, they'll, they'll leave God out of the equation. But you can't. Because you're made by God. God knows you inside and out. So if you are making decisions... ...and you're leaving God out of the equation... ...then there's an addiction there. But you know... ...we're human beings. We're bound to have some kind of addiction... I have, I have talked to a lot of people, and, and some people are, are humbled that God gave them to be able to overcome addictions. And some people deny that they are addicted. And it doesn't matter what it is. Like I said, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs. You could be addicted to lying, exaggerating the truth, as it were. You could be addicted to food. The Bible talks about glutton, being a glutton. Now, I want, I want to make this very clear. I have met people who are very thin, but are gluttons. So weight has nothing to do with gluttony. Gluttony is finding security in food. Again, you're putting something else in the place of God. And that's an addiction. An addiction is a sin. ...because you're replacing God with something else. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says this. I have the right to do anything, you say... ...but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything... ...but I will not be mastered by anything... This this verse could be a little confusing, okay? Paul's talking here, and I want I want to clarify some things. First, Paul's talking, and he's kind of doing he's kind of doing asking a rhetorical question, or not a rhetorical question. He's kind of making conversation with himself. Now he's talking to the church in Corinth, or or the people who are part of the church in Corinth, and he's kind of having he's saying, "You guys say I have the right to do anything." Which Paul's agree with because of he believes of the freedom in Christ. You have the right to do it. Paul's response is, but not everything is beneficial. Then, then Paul says, you say I have the right to do anything. And then Paul's response would be, I will be mastered by nothing. What is a master? A master is somebody who tells you what to do. How many people are, have masters at work? How many people have masters at home? I'm going to say that. Never mind. <laughs> Somebody who tells you what to do, is that not what an addiction does? An addiction tells you, you have to have this. And a lot of times, you are willing to sacrifice relationships, you' willing to fa- sacrifice finances to have and maintain this addiction? If we must be addicted, I say, let's have a love addiction. Let's be addicted to love. Let that be what we cannot live without. First John chapter four, verses seven through 12. That he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins, dear friends. Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. I want to go back to verse eight. Whoever does not love God, whoever does not love, does not know God, because God is love. When I say we need to have a love addiction, it's not some romantic thoughts about about a significant other. Our addiction, our love addiction is addicted to God. We can't live without him. We're willing to sacrifice relationships for God. We're willing to sacrifice our desires for God. We're willing to sacrifice finances for God. That is having a love addiction for God. And yet some of us are so content with just our daily routine. And let's be honest, for the most part, we're, almost all of us, myself included, are on the verge of a, an addiction we know nothing about that we've never seen coming. When I was uh, in high school... Going into college. Well, I was actually in college by this time. I, was, I had an addiction, believe it or not. Most people don't know this. My wife, I think I told her this story, but it was not really, uh, I didn't call it an addiction. I had an addiction. It was so bad, this addiction that I had, that I would, I would forget my responsibilities. I skipped church for this addiction. I was going to school to be a pastor, and I would skip church because of this addiction. I would skip classes because of this addiction. I would, uh, I would invest my money because of this addiction. You say, Man, Pastor Steve, we didn't know you were addicted. We didn't know you were an addict. And you might think, when I tell you what this addiction was, you might think, Well, that seems a little. That seems a little fake. You know what my addiction was? Playing basketball. Every chance I got, I played basketball. A group of guys were going to play basketball, and I was supposed to go to work. I'd call in and say, hey, I'm going to be a couple hours late. Seriously, I did it. School... I had a couple of evening classes. Some of my friends said, "Hey, we're gonna go play basketball. you want to come?" Oh, I got class. Okay, we'll see you later. I'd show up anyway. Skip class. I spent two hundred and fifty dollars on a pair of shoes because of basketball. See, we we can't we can't just assume that addiction is is. Any one thing. Because addiction is not about what you're addicted to. It's about your heart. And where you place your heart. We need to be addicted to God. We need to be addicted to love. So over the next four weeks, I'm going to be talking about certain things that we may be addicted to. And today... We're going to talk about people. We're going to talk about people. Like I said, I've been, I was a youth pastor for many years. And um, <clears throat> is it amazing how, how the newness of a relationship captivates us? It does. You meet somebody, especially when you're younger, but it's not limited to younger, younger adults or teenagers Older people are this way too. You meet somebody for the first time, especially if it's kind of a romantic, intimate type of attraction, and we we forget that we're human. We start acting like Pavlov's dog. Start slobbering all over the place. We can easily become addicted to people. You don't think it's, you don't think, it's, have you seen celebrity stalkers? They're crazy. They go to, they follow the tour bus all over the place. They know everything about that person. They know that person better than that person knows themselves. Because they're addicted to whatever image that person. we find it all over the place this 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 addiction to people maybe maybe it's not that that first love maybe it's not a celebrity maybe your addiction maybe your addiction is to your spouse now don't get me wrong i think you should love your spouse ...like you love your own body. But remember what I said about addiction. Addiction is anything that takes the place of God. So when you allow your relationship with your spouse... ...to take the place of God... ...you're destined for failure. Because then your approval stops coming from God... ...your approval starts coming from your spouse... So what happens if your spouse decides to leave? Where does that put you? Your world comes crashing down. Because the one thing, the most important thing in your life has just left you, and now you're, you feel hopeless. You feel like there's nothing left to live for because you lost all purpose. Now I want to do a, a little illustration to, um, to help you understand Um, The way God sees things. I have a $20 bill here. Who wants $20? Pastor Crystal wants $20. Come on up here, Pastor Crystal. Do you have anything? You don't have to do anything except for answer questions. How much is this $20 worth? $20! Right, and you would you take this if I gave it to you, right? Well, yeah. Absolutely. What if I rubbed it into the ground like that? No, still gonna <laughs> You're still going to use it. Why? Cause it's still worth 20 oh, okay. What about now? I mean, it's still worth $20. It's still worth 20 Are you sure? Yeah, I'll just use a hairdryer. You can use a hair dryer. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? What is that? It's manure. <laughs> She doesn't want it now does she (laughs) it's still worth twenty dollars it's soaking wet it's covered in dirt it's nasty and i'm getting dirt all over there you still want it why because it's still worth twenty dollars do i really get to keep it you get to keep it it does not matter value true value does not matter where you've been what you've done the value (laughs) is She's got to go clean her $20 bill. (laughs) The value does not change. And that is the same thing with human beings. Our value does not change because of something that happened in our past or something that we're going through right now. Our value was established by God and nothing could change that value. A person's value and worth is declared by God's love, not human perception. We walk out these doors, and we go start doing our day, and we start making judgment about people based on what we see and experiences we have with those people. You see a homeless man on the side of the road, and you begin to make a judgment. Well, well, that person, that person would be. Uh, would be better off if he'd go get a job. Or we see somebody who, who, who is not dressed appropriately. Or doing things that we think they shouldn't be doing. Well, if they, would just, if they would just start doing what God told them to do, their life would be better. And we do this because of our personal perception about how we value things. We need to stop. Yes, we need to love those people. Yes, we need to do what God has called us to help those people. But stop making judgments on people because we think they deserve something more or something less. I'm willing to bet that if I ask every one of you, who would you rather have dinner with, a celebrity or a homeless person? Almost every one of you would probably say, I'd rather have with a celebrity. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so, so ignorant as to, to ask you which one would you'd rather have dinner with. See, what I would do is I would, I would start by questioning who you really admire. See, I'd find, I'd find the right person to ask the problem is that we, we place value on things differently than God does. When was the last time anybody in the, I, I, don't raise your hands, I I, this is between you and God. When was the last time any of you actually had dinner, took a homeless person out to dinner? Yet, you go out to dinner with your friends all the time. Does that not somehow equate to value? We have to redefine our perception of value and base it on the fact that God loves them. You know, a person's value isn't based on their love for God. Some people have this weird idea that I am valuable because I love God. we It's almost ingrained in our minds that we are valuable because we love God. But that couldn't be further from the truth. It is not your love for God that makes you valuable. It is God's love for you. Because if it was your love for God, then your love or God's love for you would be, your value would be dependent on what you do. And your value is not dependent on what you do. Just like that $20 bill. It didn't matter whether it was soaked in water, or had dirt all over the place. Its value remained the same. And it is so much more with human beings. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. Why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have value. It doesn't matter whether you're sitting in this room, or maybe you're at home, or maybe you're watching this later on, or listening to this later on, and you're in a terrible place. There is value in you. Not because of where you're at, where you've been, what you've done. There's value in you because you are loved by God. Amen. Jeanette and I have been living in our house for, what do we say, four months now? Four months. And I'm in the process of uh, remodeling some things. And if you guys are like me in remodeling... You uh work for about a month and then you take six months off. And then you work for my wife's going, No, you're not doing that. <clears throat> In the process of uh, of looking over the house and, and, and doing looking at doing some remodeling, we have a basement <clears throat> that is completely unfinished. And so I'm I'm we cleaned out part of the basement and we put our exercise machines down there and I put a TV down there. So because we're addicted to TV, so we have to have TV while we're jogging, and we can say amen to that. What, you guys don't work out? So, so I'm downstairs, and I get everything cleaned up, and I'm, and I'm looking at the, the, the ceiling downstairs, which is the floor above, and there's nothing, it's not furnished, and, and I'm looking at all of the electrical wire that's down there. You know, I know this house when it was built. It was built in, uh, in 1908, 1908. So it was pretty old. I don't, I don't think they had electricity in 1908 in houses. Um, I wasn't there, so I don't know, but I, I, I don't think so. So this was put in after the fact, okay? But I tried following some of these wires to where they were supposed to go. And I picked one, and it went from a light fixture. Now, I knew that this light fixture had a switch over there. But it went from this light fixture over to a junction box right here. And then it went from this junction box over here to another junction box, which over here to another junction box, which went this way, no lie, went this way, went over that way, and then came back this way. How in God's name are you supposed to figure anything out in that basement? You know how? Be the one who put it in there. I bet you the one who put it in there knew exactly what he was doing and knew exactly why he was doing it the way he was doing it. That wasn't me. But God, like whoever put that electrical in my house, God knows how we work. How we are wired, and because he knows how we are, are wired, he calls us to do things that we don't understand, do things that that baffle us and baffle the world at large. Listen, any financial advisor um, would tell me would tell you that if if you can't, you, you can't pay all your bills. You have to lower your expenses. And so they're going to tell you that whatever you give away to for free to people need to be cut first. So your giving to the church should be cut first. Financial advisors would tell you that. And then you pay all of your bills. But God tells you the completely the opposite. God tells you to give first what he requires... And then he'll take care of the rest, even though you don't know how it's going to happen. But see, God understands something that maybe secular financial advisors don't understand. And that is, when we are willing to give something away, we are not controlled by it. And it's like that with money. It's like that with relationships. When we are willing to give things away, we tell God, when he tells us to do that, we tell God that he is important in our lives. Not just important, but most important. See, we need to realize that when we love God most, we will love others best. As a youth pastor, this was before I got married, I, was in, I lived in Portland, and uh, I had several kids in my youth group who, who were not Christians, didn't come from Christian homes, and one of them started dating, and he was, him and his girlfriend would, would get into fights, and he would, he would ask me, Pastor Steve, how, how do you, how do you, how do you live? And get along with somebody that you're close to like that. Well, now, this is before I got married. So my my advice might not be the the same as I'd give now. Well, no, actually, it's the same. I says, here's the thing. You have to put godly principles in your relationship. Put godly principles in your relationship. I know some people, uh, a couple, who are not Christians... Um, don't, don't want to have anything to do with God, but they have one of the best relationships a husband and wife could ever have. Why? Because they put godly principles in their relationship. But even then, you limit your ability to love that person the way God desires. You could live by godly principles your entire life but fail to, live as, to love as much as you should. Why? Because we can only give what is stored up inside of us. You can't give what you don't have. I gave Pastor Crystal, Crystal $20. I can't give anybody else any more money because I don't have any other money on me. I take my wallet out, but I ain't giving you my, my debit card. You can only give what you have. But when you put God first, when you, when you make God the most, when you love God the most, he keeps filling you up so you can give more. And you can give more. And you can give more. That is, that is why our relationships, our relationships need to begin and end. With Jesus. Begin and end with God. We need to be addicted to God. So he can fill us. And then we can pour out. You have a hard time forgiving. Get more of God. You have a hard time showing compassion. Let God pour into you. You have a hard time uh, showing love. Love. Let God pour into you. Are you dealing with insecurity? Let God pour into you. Because you could only give what God what you have inside, and, and the only person that can truly fill you the way you need to be filled is God. So think about your relationships. Think about your relationships. Are you, are you striving to please people instead of trying to please God? Not that, you, not that you shouldn't love people and do things for them, but are you striving to please them? Do you put more worth in somebody Than you should? Do you put less worth in somebody than you should? These are all symptoms of a false addiction. One day, everything you know will be gone here on earth. Every relationship that you have here on earth will be changed. In in God if he's not put first in your life will eventually ruin your life. Just like just like the heroin addict Didn't wake up one morning and say, you know what? I think I'm going to start, I'm going to be a drug addict. No, it starts with something simple, something innocent. And it grows and grows and grows until it's uncontrollable. So how do, we, how do we put relationships in the proper perspective? What can we do? What are some action steps that can help us redefine our relationships the way God intended? Well, first and foremost, you need to just start worshiping God. There's just no other way of putting it. Start worshiping God. You worship the things you value and you value the things you worship. Nobody's going to convince me that they value God if they do not worship God. Start worshiping. How how do you worship? Well, you can worship in a lot of different ways. Come back here on a regular uh, Sunday basis and we'll worship by singing. Give of your time, and you worship by service. Start by worshiping God. If you don't know what to do, ask God. Say, God, how do I worship you? Ask somebody you respect who who is worshiping God. Say, how do you worship God? The key is, if you want to break the addiction of relationships in your life put everything back into proper perspective in your life, it starts with worship. Next, understand that God knows people better than we know people. We don't often see people's faults. Sometimes they do a really good job of hiding those faults from us. And sometimes we see people's faults and we don't see the good things in their lives. Maybe it's because we're not looking hard enough. Maybe it's just because they do a good job of hiding that too. But see, nobody can hide anything from God. So if you truly want to put your relationship in perspective, get to know God, and he will speak to you about that relationship. You'll be able to say the things that need to be said. I've said this, I've told you guys many times, my brother <clears throat> um, struggles with alcohol. There was a point in his, in his life, about a year ago, I guess, a point in his life where uh, my brother is not a very good drunk. And he would call me up, and, and he would start accusing me of things. Made no sense, but usually when people are drunk, things don't make any sense. Start accusing me, he'd start cussing at me. And he'd just start crying. He went through a bunch of phases. And I remember one day, he hadn't called me, but... Um, I just felt the, the, the need to pray for him. It wasn't like God, I heard, Steve, you need to pray for your brother. No, it was just kind of like, he came to mind, I said, you know what? I'm going to pray for my brother. So I said, God, I don't know where he's at or what he's going through right now, but you just need to let your spirit fall down on him. Give him peace. Give him strength. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not just going to pray. I'm going to give him a call. And I called him up. And uh, at this point in time, he was trying to beat the alcoholism that he was struggling with. And he just got released from rehab. And I called him up and I said, hey, how you doing? He says, actually, I'm doing better. But about a minute ago, I was tempted to go down there to the liquor store and buy big bottle of liquor and just start drinking it. But you know what? Now I realize that that would have been a stupid mistake. We, we don't know people the way God knows them. We don't know when and what they need the way God knows when and what they need. But when we are, are in, in touch with God, when God is the most in our lives and we love God most, He uses us to touch people's lives. Now I would love to say that. After that incident. He never drank again. But that's just not the case. I continue to pray for him. Um, I, I, I heard from my dad. That he's, he's been sober for a couple months now. Three months maybe. But we don't know. And we can't even pretend to know what, what other people are going through, the struggles they have, the successes they have. But God knows. And the question, the question isn't necessarily whether we are going through those things as much as it is if we're not going through those things, why aren't we helping other people go through those things? Mark chapter 12 and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this verse. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. That is loving God most. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that is loving others best. We cannot compromise on that. I want to challenge you to do something for me this week. And if you haven't noticed, I try and challenge you guys every week to do something. So here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to spend the first half of the week, maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, somewhere in there. And I want want you to ask God to show you, show you. You don't have to do anything quite yet. Just show you the value of people from his eyes. That's your prayer. God, show me the value of people in your eyes. It's the first half of the week. The last half of the week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, somewhere in there. I want you to ask God, help me show others their value in your eyes. First, you're getting getting a a perspective from God, and then you're acting on that perspective. Because it doesn't do any good to have love if you're not doing anything with it. Stand with me as you close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Jesus, we ask right now that you would remind us every day our value is found in your love for us Let us not look down upon ourselves, Lord, but look up to you to find who we truly are and who you've called us to be. Then help us, Lord, to live out this love in our daily lives, to value people in service, to value people in displaying your love to them. We ask this in your name. Go with us. Amen.